Thank you, choir, as always. Trust me. It's uh, fitting words for our gospel passage today. Uh, As I said, we're going to be looking at John chapter 20, but you know, I was thinking last week, right, we had about 180 people here. And when you have 180 people in worship, it takes forever to pass the peace. (laughs) And honestly, walking around and telling everyone that the peace of Christ is with them, I think is probably one of the most important things that we do on a Sunday morning. We need to hear this message spoken to us again and again. I don't think I could do it by myself, frankly. There's so much to be fearful of these days, so much to occupy our minds. And so having someone else tell me that the peace of Christ is with me week after week, I I don't know if I'd be able to believe that without the help of you, congregation, without us taking that time to look one another in the eyes and say those words. And so we're going to talk about this a bit today on a number of different levels. As I said, we're going to be spending a lot of time in this great gospel passage from John chapter 20, looking at the story of the disciples and specifically the disciple Thomas. I have titled this sermon, Peace Be With You. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Well, let's just get right down to business, shall we, church? Turn with me in your pew Bibles to page 101 in the New Testament, John chapter 20. And we're going to begin at the end, verse 30, if you would. John chapter 20, verse 30, page 101 in your pew Bibles. If you brought your own Bible, that's great too. If you're pulling it up on your phone, that's also great. John chapter 20, verse 30. We read. And now this is the gospel writer John talking to us. And he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Now, friends, this is a very odd ending to a gospel reading, if I'm honest. Here, we've been reading for 20 chapters about all that the gospel writer John has seen and experienced. And then we get to this very strange conclusion to chapter 20. It's a direct conversation with the gospel writer himself. In the theater world, we would call this breaking the fourth wall. Have you ever heard that term before, breaking the fourth wall? It's those moments in a play or in a movie when the character in the scene turns and addresses the crowd or the camera directly. Ferris Bueller did this in Ferris Bueller's Day Off again and again. If you've watched House of Cards... Uh, they, they use that, te- that strategy a lot in that TV show as well. But the thing about breaking the fourth wall like this is that it's a questionable move to make. Most people agree that doing this in a TV show or a musical production kind of destroys the mood of the story. Because the whole point of a play or, or a story is to draw you in, to have it feel like you're just observing this all happen. And when they break the fourth wall, it's this jarring moment where you're reminded that This is just a story that you're watching. But in the case of our gospel reading this morning, 
it seems clear to me that the gospel writer John has broken the fourth wall for a very specific reason. In fact, he says it directly in verse 31 there. He says, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. By directly addressing the listener or the reader, by breaking the fourth wall, John is speaking to you and to me directly. 2,000 years later, as we read these words, John is having a conversation with us. And he's inviting us to see ourselves within the story, within this entire gospel reading. The great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said, the scriptures are written to me and about me. And it's this exact thing that John is trying to do for his readers of his gospel. He's saying to us, these words are written to you and about you. We need to understand this story about Thomas the disciple and the resurrected Christ, not just as a story that happened long, long ago, but that as a story that is written to us and about us. And so with all this as background, we're going, where we're going in this sermon today, I'd like to introduce you to, to a disciple that you have a lot in common with. His name is Thomas, and, and you really, you've got to meet him. You've probably heard a lot about good old Thomas. We speak about him in terms of being a doubting Thomas. This unfaithful, unbelieving disciple. But, you know, I just don't know if that's exactly fair. I sympathize with Thomas a lot and with the situation that he was in, and I'm not entirely convinced that we should be so hard on the guy for having some doubts at that moment, especially when you consider Thomas's unique circumstances. Let me explain. Hopefully you still have your Bibles open. John chapter 20. Let's jump back to verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. And there we read, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So we hear in this passage about how the disciples were afraid. And they were locked away in a room. And then Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you and gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they touched his hands and his side, and they saw undisputed, indisputable evidence that Jesus really was raised from the dead. And Thomas missed it. Let's keep reading. The next verse says, verse 24, But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas wasn't there when all the good stuff happened. And so he says that he won't believe what the disciples are telling them. He needs to see Jesus for himself. He needs to touch Jesus' hands and his side. You know, just like all the other disciples had done a week before. You see, I don't think that Thomas doubted. I think he felt left out. Thomas just wanted what everyone else had. 
All of his friends, all the other disciples had seen and touched the risen Lord, and Thomas missed it. Imagine how you would feel. You've just lived through this painful, traumatic event. The crucifixion of your teacher. And now your closest friends are telling you, April Fools, Jesus is risen. There's no way that I could believe something like that unless I had what all the other disciples had. Unless I got to see Jesus with my own two eyes and touch his wounds. How else can you be able to believe? More importantly, though, we need to acknowledge the crucial role that fear plays in this entire passage and moment. The disciples were afraid, it says. They were locked in a room, but Jesus appeared to them and said, peace be with you. And Thomas missed it. That means that Thomas was still locked up inside. He was still afraid. He had good reason to be afraid. He needed to see Jesus for himself and hear those powerful words of peace for himself because without that, he was still afraid. Now let's remember, church, what I said at the very beginning of this sermon. I began by telling you that this story is written to us and about us. It's really tricky, too, because the gospel writer, John, he wants to make sure that we get this point exactly. He wants to show us which character we're supposed to see ourselves as in this story. You, you might have missed it, but it says very clearly in John chapter 20, verse 24, Thomas, who is called the twin. Nowhere else in the scriptures does it mention who Thomas's twin might be. They never tell you about his brother or his sister. There's no mention of a twin at all. And the reason is because we're Thomas's twin. This story is written for us and about us. And in this story, friends, we are Thomas. We are Thomas. We want what other people have. Not only that, but we want Jesus to come into our locked rooms to free us from our fears. We want to have faith in the risen Christ so that we can stop being so afraid. What are you afraid of, church? What's keeping you locked up inside? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of being made fun of? Are you afraid that you're not good enough? Are you afraid that you're letting yourself down or other people that you love? Are you afraid of being unloved or unwanted? Are you afraid that you'll be alone forever? Are you afraid of the future? Afraid to see where all this data mining and Bitcoin and social media stuff might lead us? Are you afraid of overpopulation? Are you afraid that God might forget you in the midst of everything else that's going on in the world? Are you afraid that you're beyond redemption or saving? There's a lot to be afraid of, to be sure. But I know that Jesus will not allow us to stay locked up inside. Jesus is knocking at the doors of our hearts and longing for us to invite him in again and again and again. Jesus wants nothing more than to free us from our fears. Let me say that again. Jesus wants nothing more than to free us from our fears. To assure us that we are all right. That the future is in his hands. That in the end, we will be with him. And that's all that really matters. After all, that's the message that 
Jesus brought to his disciples on that first Easter Sunday. The disciples were crippled by their fear, locked away in a room, and Jesus showed up and said, Peace be with you. And Thomas misses it. Thomas isn't there and he has to walk around all week feeling disappointed and left out and most of all, afraid. He's still piecing together everything that happened with Jesus' death. And so you can be sure that he would have been very, very afraid that entire week. Let's hold that thought for one second now. We're going to put Thomas off to the side for a second. Let him stew in his fear and disappointment over here because I want to tell you a story. You might have heard that my family uh, is moving to a new house. Just last week, we closed on a property over in Germantown, and so now we get the fun experience of packing up our life's belongings and (laughs) gathering all the pieces together so that we can move from one location to another. Just yesterday, my wife and I traded off making trips. We made five trips in total, back and forth from one place to the other, and we haven't even made a dent in it. But (laughs) there will be many more trips for weeks to come. And knowing how forgetful I can be at times, I'm sure that when all this moving is done, we'll get there, we'll think we're all settled, and now I'll say, oh no, I forgot that box. I forgot that bag. And I'll have to go back one more time for that last item. Now, here's why I'm telling you all this. Because, friends, the disciple Thomas spent a whole week wandering around the city. And he was probably sick with disappointment and fear. But but one week later, do you know what happened? Jesus came back. Even though Jesus had already appeared to all those other disciples, even though Thomas was the only one who missed out, Jesus came back. Jesus came back for one disciple who missed out the first time. Jesus came back so that Thomas could see and touch and hear those all-important words, peace be with you. Jesus comes back for just one person to be freed from their fears. And remember, church, I've been telling you all along that this story is written to you and about you. And so even though you might be afraid that you aren't important enough, even though you might think that Jesus has better things to do than to worry about little old you, I'm here today to tell you that Jesus came back for just one disciple. And Jesus told us that he'd come back for one lost coin and one lost sheep. And so I'm convinced that Jesus will come back for you. Jesus will come to your locked room so that peace can be with you as well. So if you're feeling lost or fearful or like everyone else has it all together and you've completely missed out, Jesus says to you today directly, peace be with you. Whatever mistakes you've made, whatever doubts you have, whatever sins you've committed, the promise of the gospel is this. Jesus will come back for you to forgive you and to free you, to take away all of your fear and to remind you again and again and again that the peace of God is with you always. Amen. Amen.